This podcast is intended for educational purposes only. As a marketing communication, it should not be taken as investment advice, personal recommendation, or an offer of or solicitation to buy or sell any financial instruments. This material is being prepared without taking into account any particular recipient's investment objectives or financial situation. We make no representation and assume no liability as to the accuracy or completeness of the content of this communication, which is being prepared using publicly available information. Your capital is at risk. The value of investments can go down as well as up, and investors may get back less than invested. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Welcome back to the Million Dollar Traders podcast with myself, James Halliwell, Lex Van Dam, and our special guest this week, Wesley Nolt. Wes, welcome to the channel. How are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. It's uh, it's a bit of a bloody day out there, but you know that happens now and again. So it's good. It's, yeah, one of those things. I've uh, it's my birthday yesterday, uh, which I've been oh. everybody are milking. So uh, I, I was I was away from the screen overnight and uh, got back to it today, thinking I'd catch up on things ahead of this. And uh, yeah, big move in the bond yields, and uh, that's obviously upset things. It seems everywhere else. So uh, a yeah. big day, as you say. Hopefully, uh, hopefully things improve. So just by way of, I guess, initial introduction for everybody. I think, unfortunately, mm-hmm. people know my face all too well. Um, Lex, of course, is is, is joining us also. Um, and uh, and and Wes, I, I guess we need to introduce you to uh, to our audience on on the channel. And uh, yeah, just explain a little bit about your journey into Etoro. Okay. Yeah, I can do that. Um, so I'm Wes Nolte. I am a South African immigrant to London. I came here to, to take your jobs. Um, actually, I created jobs. I've, I've built a few companies uh, in London. The biggest of those I sold to Accenture. 2015, it was a consulting business. I've been investing since I was about 19 years old, which now is a long time ago, 20 years ago, 21 years ago, um, because I was tired of working I'd, I'd, I'd started my first companies when I was about 16 and I was sick of working. I wanted to get rich fast. And uh, I bought South Africa's largest tech company and the price dropped 97% a week later. Um, so I burnt my fingers, stayed away, got back in. And I think that's been kind of the pattern for, for all the 10 years after that, just experimenting with different things, Not a lot of direction in my, in my learning. Um, my background, my, my family was quite poor. So learning about investing was the last thing on anyone's mind. Um, and then I think my, my approach evolved over time, reading books, meeting people along the way. Uh, and then I joined eToro in about 2015, middle of 2015. Um, started learning the platform. There are some nuances to the platform. So started learning the platform. I did quite well, was approached by an eToro um, account manager who asked if I wanted to join the program. I thought that we had to pay money to pay to join the program. I misunderstood the whole concept of being paid to achieve a certain level of performance. And then when they explained to me that I could make some money if I kept up my performance, I joined. Um, and I think that was, yeah, that was how things started. Uh, started at the bottom. Now I'm here. That's cool. So it's, it's been some time then on the platform. You say 2015. Oh, yeah. I think the first thing he touched on there from your childhood, and I think how a lot of us approach the market when we, we see the uh, the glamorous lifestyle and all the rest, and the first look at trading is get rich quick. Your your channel, yeah. I believe, is called Getting Rich Slowly, which is probably the uh, yeah probably more apt now for somebody who's a fair few years into into his investing career, and you've ultimately mm-hmm. you know 
found yourself or find yourself now at the top of the pyramid, pretty much, Johnny Toro. So uh, for, for people who don't know, tell us a little bit about your philosophy and also um, uh -huh. how much is it roughly that, that you have invested with you, uh, with yourself currently? So my, the AUM that, that follows my trading on Itaro's um, $51 million, $52 million, somewhere in that region. Um, the platform's grown quite a lot in recent years. So I think with our platform growth, I wouldn't have seen that kind of growth. Uh, so I think I might be third in terms of AUM. Um, in terms of my, my strategy, so um, it's, I am almost entirely a long-term investor. And so a large part of what I do through my YouTube channel uh, is educating my copiers that we need to have a longer term mindset. So there might be rough patches that go on for months, right? Maybe a quarter or two. Um, but ultimately, we're looking for those multi-baggers that, that sometimes take some waiting um, and some commitment. Uh, around that, I do do a bit of uh, trading that I think is more swing trading. Um, I've done a little bit of that since open today, in fact. Um, but I would say that's probably maximum 20% of my portfolio at any point in time. So I'm typically long equities. The balance is usually about 50% US, 10 to 20% UK. And it used to be about 15% China, but recent news has meant that I've, I've halved that in the past day or two. And I think I might continue to shrink that. Right. So, that, so that's actually something that really interesting. That's, that's something that... Um, of course, was very dominant in the headlines um, yesterday. <laughs> and I must say that when I saw it, I thought, thank God I didn't hold on to that position in Alibaba personally. It should have only been a small, yeah. small part of my portfolio. I wasn't tempted to you know, take it as a value position long-term recently. Um, but yeah, understanding that you have had that focus and that conviction in China um, mm -hmm. until recently, it, it was something that I thought, Damn, this uh, this conversation could be quite uh, quite tricky, even the, given the timing. It's one of those inevitable things it seems in markets. But yeah, exactly. It's it's disappointing. You can't control all of the 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 things that happen in the world. Um, investing in China is a little riskier for a number of reasons. I mean, we don't have access to as much information about the companies. Obviously, the companies aren't audited by the U.S. in the same way. Their accounting standards are different. And the country is growing up, right? It's, it's gone from being a developing nation to almost a developed nation. It's on that journey. And the government is obviously governed in a very different way to most countries in, in the Western world. And, but it, it's definitely evolving. It's, it's becoming a little bit less cowboyish. The, the government is uh, implementing or standing by more legislation than it did before. And that means that it's a bit of a rocky ride, but the news from the past two days or so, I think, has just pushed me over the edge in terms of risk reward balance. So you felt so you a little bit. Um, sorry, James, I don't want to interrupt you. Um, but uh, it, it used to be when James and I started working together. I don't know how long ago it was, like eight years ago. I, I was doing ninety-five percent of the talking, and he was yeah. doing five. Now I think it's <laughs> it's, 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 it's it's gone the other way around, which yeah. suits me fine. So we have an expectation that I talk as well. So I, yeah. I, should, I should ask a, a, a few um, questions that, that I'm interested in. And for example, the, your, your, your journey, like what are the, the kind of things? Because a lot of people who follow you um, probably like your style and, and 
in, in a way you want to be like you and you and you are their representative to an extent uh, trusting you with their money what are some of the mistakes that you know you've you've made over the and i've been going for like almost 30 years so i make new mistakes all the time and and you know sometimes uh sometimes old mistakes old again yeah. yeah um but but but, but i'm yeah they're kind of interested in in in, in your journey in, in what you have learned and how you've changed your style and how you look at markets differently now than maybe yeah, in 2015, when you just uh, started out on eToro, uh, mm -hmm. maybe you could talk a bit about that. Sure. I, I think back then, my so I've been a consultant in technology for most of my life, various aspects of technology. And um, as I became more senior, I started working closely with executive teams in some of the world's largest companies, but also a number of startups. And so my understanding of what constitutes a, a good business matured through my time working with those the various different participants inside of a business and also understanding how important a management team is. I mean, I, I think it's probably number one, the number one criteria is to have a good management team, um, maybe number two, depending on the idea and the growth in that idea. So I think the, the way that my my strategy has evolved is that I, over time, I've learned more and more outside of just the industry that I worked in and the interplay between the different industries. So I was definitely a tech heavy investor to start with, um, but then through experience and then subsequent learning from those experiences, I began to see how things like rotations played out in the markets um, and how you might need to position yourself differently depending on what type of rotation you, you are in store for. Uh, I gained a better understanding of the economic drivers such as employment, unemployment, and how they drive the economy, um, the interaction between bonds and equities and how they, they drive each other. Uh, so I think my understanding overall has become a bit more fully fledged. And consequently, I'm... I am. I think I've become a less risky investor because I've got a, a better understanding of the full, fully fledged picture. Uh, I think my, probably my biggest mistake recently was 2018, and that's pretty obvious in my eToro results. I got quite comfortable using two times leverage in eToro, which used to be used to just cost just about nothing. It used to be almost free to use it. Um, and I think through 2017, maybe the second half of 2017, I did quite well using leverage. Got a little too comfortable and then sat on that leverage as Trump came into office and started causing quite a lot of volatility, political and um, economic volatility. So I think that was, that was a lesson was not, don't get too comfortable in any approach, whether it's leverage or, or a particular stance in the market. Um, I think that's probably the last, the last big one. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, people can see all the trades you do, right? So there's, there's total mm -hmm. transparency, right? So, so someone could also use you. I mean, if I was, you know, following people, um, I would think, okay, who, who are the, the ones, yeah, with, with a lot of assets in the management, do I like their style? And then at the same time, I would want to kind of look at, or maybe I should, what you call co-invest with some of the trades. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm giving money to Wes and you know what? He's putting out like, that sounds like a really great idea. Maybe I'm mm -hmm. going to do some on top myself. So, so people can use you for that as well. So I, I don't know how many people actually really do that and, and how much people uh, talk back to you on, 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 or discuss different ideas that you do. Um, is that something that happens a lot? 
It happens a lot. The likes on there and the comments. You keep getting the notifications, and that's just me. If you've got 20,000 copies, and heaven knows how many uh, watch list people following you. Exactly. So, and I think people do try to, they, they try to learn. Some people copy you and they learn from the way that you trade. Um, others, they watch your, there's a, a place where you can see trades more or less as they happen. You would need to refresh the page and visit it very often. Um, or people, they, when they visit their page, they ask me why I bought or sold something. So part of my YouTube channel and just my communication overall, a large part of my job is educating my copiers, but also trying to copy me manually is quite an undertaking because understanding I, I, I can trade 24 hours a day, depending on what I'm trading, of course. Um, so you'd need to be really on the ball. And if it's a momentum trade, like I was doing today, you might miss when I exit the trade and you know, you've lost the benefit that I saw in that trade in the first place. So there is a lot of that. I, I, I have a few videos around telling people my portfolio is my strategy. So when I say that a particular position or a stock is good, it's within the context of my portfolio. I, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's good for you. Um, so just trying to help people understand that is, is quite a large part of the, the amount of time that I spend on being a- and So, you know, so how, how much does it impact your trading? Because you know, like a week ago, you might've made a certain case about whatever sector and, you, and you've, you've strongly defended that, yeah. that you, you need to be long this, obviously in the context of your portfolio, but then a yeah. week later, like a lot of things have changed and you've said like, you don't want to be long anymore, but then you think, oh, if I now say I don't want to be long anymore, then I have all these people who are going to come back to me and they say, well, yeah. you said this a week ago and what do you think now? So like the hassle, the day-to-day -day hassle of, of having all these people look at you it's like it's like everybody's a football fan, you know. They all know how to how how, how yeah. the game should be played and stuff. So, so so how does that impact? I guess your life and your your trading, you know, to have to deal with that on top of your own decision making. That's a really good analogy with with the football. Um, I think I try to not let it have an impact, but sometimes I need to ignore comments around things just so that it doesn't, because I'm a human, right? So. I, and I have all these biases and all these little things can influence you even when you think they're, they're not influencing you. Um, funnily enough, that happened today because I think on Monday before news from Beijing came out about them reviewing the laws around Chinese ADRs, I was making a case for a Chinese company that was supposed to merge with another one and the merger fell through, but the share price even then, it still looks fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Um, and so I was shilling it that, that on Monday. And then someone today said, didn't you just say that the stock is fantastic? And now you're saying that you're going to trim all your Chinese positions. I mean, dude, what, what's going on? And I, and I think that person probably bought based on what I said on Monday. I don't think they copied me. They bought some when, when I said that. And now a day later, two days later, I'm saying, uh-oh. Um, but that's part of, that's part of the whole investing game, right? So the things I need to keep in check are my ego. First of all, being right is not, is not the game that I'm trying to play here. Making money is the game I'm trying to play. Uh, and, and secondly, circumstance determines my actions. And if circumstances change, maybe you don't need to change, but you need to check at least, right? Yeah, no, totally. Um, <laughs> James? Uh, it makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been there. And uh, ultimately, you're you're reacting or responding to new information 
and and that can be quite difficult i think for a lot of people who are newer to the to the markets or more passive in their investing interests um mm-hmm. when, when they see people like ourselves doing this sort of thing and uh, you wake up you see the headlines or bond yields have moved massively interest rates have moved massively and you know tesla slaughtered or everything's getting slaughtered um yeah and yeah particularly if you've if you've been maybe with your 20 percent a bit more tactical and you've been looking at some swing trades and been looking at the technicals then yeah those are the days that you'd rather have just left your portfolio alone and uh be more passively allocated to uh <laughs> to buy and hold names and <laughs> It's, yeah. there's no free lunch there's no easy ride like anything in life but markets are the most efficient thing on the planet I think for revealing your weaknesses where you're wrong and testing your resolve and, and, and whether or not you're going to be stubborn and when it, it pays to have that conviction and when yeah. ultimately you need to be a risk manager and you need to adapt um, and, and, and simply you know put, put your ego in check and say well you know what I'll take a hit on this one because this is like the biggest or a clearer signal that some new setups appeared and, and you can shift mm-hmm. into that. It's totally lost. You're going to look stupid short term, but as you say, it's about making money at the end of the day. And sometimes I look very stupid. <laughs> and there are, there are 20,000 people there to, to watch me look stupid. I, I think there were two, two I, I don't trade Bitcoin very much. I think I've got like 1% of my portfolio allocated to half a percent positions. Um, and I think it was Bitcoin, when Bitcoin broke a support around the $31,000 level and, and then some. So I knew that it was past the support. I bailed and I swear Bitcoin turned within $5 of the sale price and bounced all the way back up to 33,000 or whatever it was. And people called me on it. And I was like, it was the right decision based on the information I had. It just had a bad outcome. And and this, I, I'm reading a book called Super Forecasting, by the way, by this guy that ran this multi-decade ex- experiment trying to find out if forecasting was a skill he could learn. And this is the kind of thing he described. So you can make the right decision and it can have a bad outcome and you can make the wrong decision and it can have a good outcome. But if you're making the right decision over a long enough time horizon, lots of right decisions, some will have bad outcomes, but uh, what will happen is that you'll have the right outcome more than you'll have the wrong outcome. Um, And I think that's another thing that people that are newer to the markets don't realize. You see people that are yellowing into meme stocks, making fantastic returns for a year, you know, 18 months even. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't last over a lifetime of investing. Yeah. And, and to be honest, <laughs> go ahead, Lex. Sorry. This, yeah, no, 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 that's why I think if you, if you start trading, that's, and you, you know, you have your editorial account of, of wherever you have your account. It makes so much sense to, you know, copy the top five or the top 10 or whatever it is. And just you know, don't you don't necessarily need to do all your paper trading yourself, you know, but also don't go in in um, you know put half your money in, in, into one stock tip or whatever that you have no idea yeah. about. But yeah, look at people who have portfolios who've been doing it for many years, but you see the track record who have in in a way a lot at stake at making mm-hmm. good decisions because I mean you are a, an asset manager now. You know, so you you have your own performance, and you need to make sure that a lot of other people have performance as well. So I think if you can, if people can learn from people like yourself and are able to communicate as well, and 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 you know, perhaps get an answer. And and even if you when you say okay, you you're re- reading a book like that, to me it's it's pretty fascinating because it's it's saying actually, you know what? Focus on the process, refine the process, and don't worry so much about 
you know, an individual outcome. And, and you can afford to do that if you don't put everything in, in all, all, your, all your eggs in that one basket where, you know, y- y- your life will be decided by that, by, by that one outcome. So follow process and, 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 yeah. and, and spread your eggs and, and then check with like whoever you follow uh, or whoever you copy, who has the, the sort of like process that, that you feel most uh, appealed, um, appealed by. But, but it's interesting as well, like when you're saying that, okay, you're reading this book. So it seems, you know, you, 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 you keep on educating yourself, right? It's not like you're kind of ever done, right? I mean, there's always improvement you're looking for, right? I, well, I think you have to. The, the more you learn about investing, the, the more you realize there is. And I'm at the point where I, I feel overwhelmed with the amount of knowledge there is to absorb. There's psychology, um, economics, um, and finance, accounting. There are just so many fields that I would like to know a lot more deeply to flesh out my understanding, but I need to focus on the things that I think will have the highest ROI. Yeah, yeah. And, and then obviously... I mean, we, we, we can all be as intellectual as, as we want to be, but ultimately it's about the next uh, person who's buying or selling, who's setting the price for whatever reason they decide to do it, right? So it's that, it's that money flow that sometimes just cannot be explained and it's moving the price. You, you don't know why and it's, you know, but you, you still have to live with that, that price at, at the, yeah, every, every second, right? It's whatever it says on the screen is, is, exactly. is that price that, that, that you get judged on. Yeah, um, and in eToro, there, there is some pressure to to time the market, right? So there's um, there are only so many such a, such a portion of the population that are going to be willing to wait out multiple quarters or years for results. And so this year, I've underperformed my my benchmark. My my benchmark is the S and P five hundred, and my trading twelve month returns are beating the S and P five hundred by uh, nineteen or twenty percent. And that's my target, my annual target on average over a lifetime of investing. Um, whereas the year to date, I'm trailing by a few percent the, the S&P 500. So, so I need to make sure that I'm delivering results that are visible and as well as those long-term investments, those multi-baggers that I can see that the market has just been completely irrational about. Um, it's just a matter of time before they, they realize that. This, this thing is underpriced. Um, but so, I, th- yeah. I think as, 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 as eToro is, is maturing, um, you know, I think if you have a style that you can explain and people know what they buy when they follow you, I mean, to me, it, it will be, you know, personally irrelevant if someone underperforms the S&P by 5% or outperforms by 5% over the last six months. If I felt mm-hmm. safe with this person, I felt that they're making the right decisions and are not chasing returns. I'd, I'd much rather be with that. So, so in, in a way, if, if, you, if you have a certain personality, it, it also um, selects your followers, right? And if, if some people yeah. just want to be in and out for, the, for their performance, you, you can't really build your portfolio according to, to those people, right? Because it, it's going to be yeah. like, like seven-dimensional chess, right? It's too complicated to, to play. Exactly. And that's, that's part, another thing that I try to educate people in eToro about is when you copy a person in eToro, you need to ask yourself when you're copying that person, what are your expectations? What are you looking for from, from that person? 
And like you mentioned before, you could diversify across a number of different popular investors. And I, and I think everyone should uh, um, diversify across people. But for each of them, you should know what you want to get out of that particular copy. Is this my safe person? Is this my YOLO high-risk person? Is this my slow and steady multi-bagger person? That kind of thing. And I think a lot of new investors, not just in eToro, that they don't ask themselves that question right up front. What do I want? What am I looking for? Um, and it's really quite a simple question. To understanding your answer is a little harder. Yeah. yeah. So, so at the moment, what's the, uh, you mentioned the high conviction multi-baggers, not to put you too much on the spot. Um, but, but what, I'm always on the spot. Yeah, <laughs> my, uh, my Northern irony humor. Uh, yeah. What's the, uh, what, what's the stock or sector theme that's got you most excited at the moment, do you think? Um, it's really unfortunate about the, the situation with Chinese ADRs because there are some really good opportunities. And, you know, it's one of the, China's one of the highest, fastest growing economies in the world. Um, there are some good businesses, but so let's put that to one side. Yeah. There, there were lots of high conviction players there. Um, I would say semiconductors, probably for the next two to three years, there are some wonderful companies. Semiconductors have sold off quite aggressively in the past few days. And I think this is because there are concerns about sustainability of growth, which is kind of what bonds are sign signaling right now, or what some people are saying bonds are signaling right now. Um, but the demand is there for semiconductors. If you look at the the manufacturing and, and product producer reports, the, the demand is still through the roof. Semiconductors are part and parcel of our world. And there are some companies that they look as though they're going to deliver double-digit growth and earnings for the next few quarters. Um, but the prices just haven't moved or they've dropped off even in the past few months. Um, so companies I have my eye on there are Micron, uh, ticker MU and, and AMD. Mm. Who um, AMD tends to get stuck in a range for months and months uh, despite their success before, before popping. Um, other high conviction plays. Um, There are some, I, I think bio, so biotechnology, biotech is another area, but it's, biotech is just so high risk. But if you were willing to dedicate a very small portion of your portfolio to biotech, there are a few plays that are that are very interesting. I don't know if you were watching the news recently, but um, there's something called CRISPR technology, which is used to edit genes. Uh, so it can do, it can be used for amazing things. It can be used to cure cancer. Uh, in certain instances, as an example. Um, and last week, for the first time, there was a successful trial that was inside of a human being because gene editing is high risk. So for a long time, um, people have been afraid to allow it to happen. And I think there are some companies in that sector that are well positioned. It's harder to make a call there, though, uh, because if you've ever played with in pharma or biotechnology, you know that it's super high risk. You either make it, make a huge success of it, or you die. And the vast bulk of companies die. Um, I think solar is also probably good for the next few years, but it's not as cheap as it was uh, towards the middle of last year. Um, I think TAN, I don't know if you know the, the solar ETF TAN, it climbed over 400% from the, the bottom to the top through the beginning of this year. And then it, it just tumbled and tumbled and tumbled. Um, and I think I bought some stocks 
from solar stocks, I think when TAN was 25% down or so, and it, and it dropped another 15%. Um, and it's also having a rough time now. But I think with the commitment from governments around the world to pile money into infrastructure projects and to decarbonize um, solar and wind companies are very interesting plays. Um, so I think those are probably three sectors that I'd be looking in if I was doing a bit of a top-down, starting top-down research. Interesting. Lex, just before we sort of bring things to a conclusion, is there anything else that you wanted to ask or equally, was there anything that you wanted to, um, to, to share with the audience itself? I mean, for, for me, it's still, um, you know, it's, it's kind of fascinating because obviously like you're very accomplished before you, you know, got into the world of, 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 of trading um, and, and build, build real companies and, and exited real companies. And now you're there and you're sitting behind that screen all day long, you know, and, and probably sleepless nights because you know, the market is, 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 is like, I mean, I'm, you know, I remember when I was like fully trading every day, like not sleeping at all, worried about the market. And, and then the next day it was totally fine <laughs> or have a good night's sleep. And, and, and it's like the next day is, is, is disaster. Um, holidays. So what do you think is it in your character? What is it in your character that then decided to go from kind of a safe world where you, where you kind of control the process and many things to, to, to the world of trading? And, 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 you know, do you sometimes look back at like, actually, you know, well, my life was kind of nice before. Um, or is it, so so what, yeah, what does the future hold for you? It's a good question. Uh, I, so I, I wouldn't say my career before was not risky uh the last company that i that i started uh, after i left accenture i worked for accenture for three years i think after they bought my company i don't know if you know the term golden handcuffs so i was uh, earning off my golden handcuffs and then i started another startup um which is by no means a, a safe thing to do and it was a it was a business travel startup right. uh, leading and then, and then we had a massive lockdown globally so um so that didn't do particularly well i think I think that I have always been interested in economics and finance and the way that it's a good proxy for human psychology at mass and even on an individual scale. I find that incredibly interesting. It also covers a, a number of different types of topics, uh, history, economics, I mentioned, psych psychology, and I love learning. And I, I find these things very, very interesting. Um, I'm also highly competitive. Uh, and I love playing games and, you know, the, playing with my 170 or $180,000 that I have in eToro is, is, um, is a, you know, a game where I don't want to lose my money. I want to expand my money to be a massive amount. Um, but there is a certain gaming element to it. Uh, so I, I think that if I, if I could do this for the rest of my career, I definitely, definitely would. Um, you're addicted. I, I, yeah, maybe I am. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we all are. That's the we problem. We should rebrand this podcast. It should be Market Addicts Anonymous. I'm not so anonymous. Traders <laughs> Anonymous. Um, so I think, uh, so, so I'd like to, I'd like to have a multi-decade record, something like uh, Stanley Druckenmiller. Um, I, he doesn't really see much airtime. So he's the guy who, basically bought the deal that broke the bank, broke the pound to George Soros. 
um, and for two decades or so, he averaged 30% return per year. And so that's my, my target over a, a career. Um, people are highly skeptical of me being able to do it. And that makes me just want to do it even more. Um, Brilliant. But, Perfect. but so, so far on average, so good. I think I'm averaging about 36 or so. Amazing. Great. Long may that continue. Yeah, long may that continue. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us on the uh, on the channel today. Thanks. Wait, us. before we go. Yes. What What are your highest conviction players? Go, James. Amazon. <laughs> Buy Amazon and go to the beach. <laughs> it's It's not a bad play. I mean, it's it's um, outside of eToro. I've I've got a lot of money on Amazon. It's it's one of my my portfolio outside of Amazon outside of eToro because. I don't want to spend any time managing it. It's a lot more concentrated and I never buy or sell on Amazon is, I think it's a good call. Yeah. In, in fairness, that's probably quite a flippant response for me. It's just because I know we both share Amazon in common. So I think it was quite a, an easy, <laughs> yeah, easy sell. Uh, always know your audience. who you pitching? Um, yeah. In my case, my largest holding remains Facebook. And it obviously I found some relief last week. Um, with the FTC basically saying we, we don't have any charges to bring against you and it was up another 5%. I yeah. tend to pay some attention to sector weightings as well. That's one of the things that I've certainly learned um, or has become more relevant this year given the, uh, the various rotations that you can't always be in control of. Um, and yeah, I've, I've in the comms space, although it's largely tech-focused as, as you're well aware, um, it's the most significant holding or largest position in my portfolio. And it's actually the best performing looking at it here uh, since rebalancing. Nova Nordisk hasn't done too badly either, but uh, Facebook and Microsoft are the top performers um, in yeah. there. But uh, yeah, not doing anything too crazy or too exotic. Um, but Amazon's probably the most interesting one from a, a trader's perspective, given that you mentioned, uh, was it AMD tends to be range bound for so long? Of course, since the, uh, the stay home trade, grew long in the tooth and uh, Amazon basically peaked was it November, December time of last year it, with the sector generally at the beginning of the year. Um, yeah. It just looks to have uh, been seen a pop in the last couple of days and uh, yeah, it may well be, yeah, it may well be, I, do, I hate to use the B word to curse it, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't disagree with what you just said there. And uh, yeah. that's probably why I said it straight up as the first thing that came to mind because it's been sideways for the best part of well, over six months and uh, since august i think yeah. yeah yeah there you go so that that's why that came to mind first of all um but yeah i, I always like uh the short in tesla but that's 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 more complicated well, I, I tell you, on the subject of the short in tesla i've just been converted to the idea of getting an ev and uh yeah i've uh i've made a decision and it's it's not tesla so maybe that will be okay. revealed in a, in a future video. But uh, yeah, I, I would share the, the view that Tesla is going to come under an increasing pressure from uh, from other EV players in the market. Also, and it might China. make sense to, to, to instead of like always focus on the big names that everybody trades, um, to just look at some names that are maybe like not as uh, not as popular, right? Because before you know, yeah, you get into those money flows, and again, like Tesla, who knows where the next hundred bucks comes from. Um, yeah. You know, so it, it, it'd be interesting to, to uh, look at some of those other names, I think. So you're in the Michael Burry camp, Lex. You're shorting Tesla. Well, now, I mean, I, 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 I used to short a lot. Yeah. And, 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 and the problem is that 
you know, when you're wrong with shorting, you know, I mean, you're sort of like a Tesla as well. You know, you can, you, you can lose a thousand percent. And if you're leveraged, you might lose yeah. everything you have. So it's, it's a bit of a mugs game. So for sure, yeah. it's like, um, it, it, it's better to look on the long side for most people, I think. And then, mm-hmm. um, again, probably, you know, like you said, like an Amazon, you know, you, so you can write, you can write with everybody else. But to me, mm-hmm. it's like, if you really want to learn, then you probably pick some other names. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I forget who said it, but just to wrap up there on, on that note, I forget who said it, but uh, I'm going to bastardize it now. Um, who in the right mind wakes up in the morning? A pessimist on the US economy long term. <laughs> who in the right mind doesn't get out of bed an optimist for humankind? <laughs> I know it's probably a couple of you monsters now. <laughs> no, who, who, who seriously gets out of bed in the morning? Who could be a short seller? To get out of bed in the morning, making a bet against human ingenuity, technological advancement, everything else, economic growth, prosperity going forward, and is ultimately a perma bear or short on development, progress, the US economy. Nobody does. It's like what Wes was saying about CRISPR and stuff. You know, it's like, yeah, there's so much new stuff going on. So it's, you know, trading stocks, it's, it's there's so many new developments, technologies um, that are super interesting just to look at, right? So that's this trading also. It, it's not anymore what, what trading was 20 years ago where most stocks were like, you know, kind of boring. Now there's like the, all these new companies that, that you might never have heard of and they're suddenly worth billions or tens yep. of billions. And you think, wow, this is like amazing. I want to be part of this, right? Guys, thank you very much for uh, for joining us. And uh, yeah, best of luck in your trading wise. And we look forward to uh, getting together again, maybe in the future. Great. Thank, thank you, you, gents. Thanks, James. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.